All right. Well, let's get into the word and uh, let's have some fun today. Amen. It's been a while since I've been able to get up here and uh, we've been having so many life events at the Wolf House that uh, I have been able to take a little break. Today we're uh, driving over to Boise to see the kids and bring them their wedding gifts and just have a good time. So be praying for us. We're going to be towing Austin's samurai filled with presents and the Jeep full of presents over the eight-hour drive to Boise. So be praying. Craziness. Well, today I'm going to talk to you about a really, really, really fun subject. And that subject is the subject of pain. How do you like that one, huh? (laughs) I figured that pain is a good thing to speak on because it's pretty universal. Has anybody ever felt pain? Raise your hand if you have felt pain. All right. Raise your hand. Okay, put your hand down. Raise your hand if you've never felt pain. Nobody. So, yeah, it's a pretty universal thing to chat about at church. Uh, I was talking with somebody this week, and they were saying about how much they enjoy sermons here because they are so practical. And I figured there wasn't much more practical than speaking on pain, because it is truly everyone. Everyone experiences it at some point in time. Amen? So pain is real. Would you believe that here in America, we spend $50 billion a year in pain medication? $50 billion on pain medication. Anything to stop the pain. Has anybody ever been in that situation? Stop the pain. I will pay anything. I will do anything. $50 billion a year. Pain actually, people who experience chronic pain and have had pain over a long period of time, it affects their body very, very strangely and very, very uniquely. And it affects your brain. It actually makes your brain shrink and get smaller. Pain is something that will inhibit, that will limit, that will shrink your world in very, very small. Pain is a very, very serious thing. Amen? Uh, It is also known that women have more pain receptors than men. What does that mean? Uh, Well, I know. So, because we're much more tender and sensitive, right? They're the stem, we're the flower, right? So, you know, the flower, anyway. So, uh, yeah, for what, you can extrapolate out of that any way you want, but women have higher uh, sensitivity towards pain, more pain receptors in their body than, than men. There's uh, physical pain, emotional pain, psychological pain, pain. So there's a few things about pain that I want you to kind of tuck in the back of your hat. Pain actually is very, very essential to our existence. Absolutely. And I'm going to share with you a little bit later about what it means to not have pain in your body. But right now, there's a couple of points I want to make. Number one... Pain is in your body to indicate that there's something wrong. Whenever you have pain, it means something's wrong. It indicates an illness or an injury or something like that. And that signal of something wrong is extremely important in your livelihood. Pain indicates something's wrong. Number two, pain demands a response. Whenever you feel pain, you have to respond to it. There's no way out of it. In fact, 
Your body's health is equally related to your body's ability to hear pain and make an adjustment. So when you go on a five-mile run, how many here in the room goes on five-mile runs? Okay, maybe one mile. Maybe just a run down the driveway and back. I don't know. But if you go on a five-mile run or walk or hike or whatever it is, and you are, you're making the way, if you were to map out your foot, if your shoe was able to kind of, uh, you know, map out kind of the, the pain or, you know, the pressure points, it changes about every, uh, about every half mile. Would you believe? So as you're running, as you're walking, and, and your feet are taking this huge amount of pounding, your body will immediately within itself go, okay, this little area of my foot is getting too much. So you begin to change the way you set your foot down. You begin to change where you put your weight. You don't even know it, but your body's doing that. Your body is responding to imperceptible pain within because your body knows that pain indicates injury. So over that five-mile run, your body is constantly making little adjustments within your feet about where to put the pressure, how to step, always making accommodation. Whenever you trip and turn your ankle, anybody ever, you know, step in a hole and turn your ankle? Did you know that whenever your body, when your body perceives that ligaments inside of your foot or ankle are being stretched to the point of being torn, it absolutely affects the rest of your body. Your body will immediately, your, your thigh and your calf muscles go flaccid, and your body would rather you fall on the ground than to rip and tear your ligaments. Did you know that? And it's very hard. Have you ever done that and all of a sudden your leg goes out? It's your body responding to pain. It's your body responding. It, it demands a response. Get a speck of dust in your eye. Have you ever done that? What do you do? What happens immediately? Like just happened to me. My eye just started tearing as I'm standing up here. In the most inopportune moments, I've got coming out my eye. My body responded. Same speck of dust can land on my arm. Doesn't matter. I don't even know it's there. Put that speck of dust in my eye. I'm a mess. So number one, it indicates something's wrong. Number two, it demands a response. Number three, it unifies all body parts. A single-cell amoeba, if you were to, if it experiences any kind of damage, the whole cell just, you know, reacts. But you, as a human being, are made of 37 trillion cells. It's easy for one cell to know what's going on, but 37 trillion cells... So have you ever gotten up in the middle of the night and stepped on a Lego or kicked your toe on the edge of a bed or something like that? So this is kind of how it goes. You know, and for, forgive me if I don't look cool up here, but you know, you're kind of walking along and you hit and the little itty bitty teeny tiny wee little toe down on the bottom of you, way out there, my face goes, and then I jump up and down, and my hands go down there, and I'm holding it, and I'm jumping, and my breathing changes. Every single cell reacts to that little pain. It unifies my whole body in reaction. Pain. We spend a lot of time trying to be pain-free. We don't like pain. Who likes pain? We spend a lot of time trying to be pain-free. 
a lot of money trying to be pain-free. A lot of times we'll do very strange emotional dances to stay away from pain. Now when I get up in the middle of the night, even though my children have grown up, for many years there hasn't been a Lego in my house. Let me tell you, I'm kind of doing this still. In the night, I don't want to have pain. But there's actually a disease that comes from being pain-free. Being pain-free is a wonderful thing for your body. And if you do not feel pain, it's actually a disease. There is a disease, and that disease is called leprosy. And when you get leprosy, bacterium attack the very tips of your pain receptors. That's the first thing that goes. The very tips, the very ends of your pain receptors. And those little ends get all eaten and ruined and destroyed to the point where the first thing that happens with a person that le- with leprosy is they don't feel pain. Their body ceases to hear pain. Therefore, their bodies become very damaged. And their bodies become very ineffective. They don't know that something's wrong. The rest of the cells don't know it because the very tips, the very ends, the very farthest reaches of, their, of your human body become numb. So even though damage is happening, pain is happening, problems, injuries, something is happening, that indication of pain, that, that shooting message to your brain that says something's wrong, we have to change something, we have to make adjustments, something's got to happen, we just, they don't even know it. So that very same five-mile hike, even one mile for a person with leprosy, their feet will come back with ulcers broken down areas, blisters, and they're clueless to it. And they just keep walking on it and walking on it and walking on it. That very same speck of dust that would get in your eye and you would just be, ah, I can't stand it, get it out. And you work to get it fixed. That very same speck of dust causes, a blind, causes blindness in leprosy people because they can't detect pain. Their, their bodies become numb to it. They don't feel pain. So now when I tell you that the health of a, your physical body is equal to the ability for you to feel pain, you understand what I'm saying. There's a story of a young man named Sadan. Uh, Dr. Paul Brand uh, lived, uh, I believe he's still alive now. He's very old, though. But he dedicated his entire life as a doctor working in India with people who have leprosy. And he tells the story of a young man who uh, he worked very, very hard to get this young man healthy and to get his hands and his feet and everything good. And, and for four years, he lived there with this doctor. And, and this doctor worked and got him perfect shoes and told, taught him every morning you get up and you have to examine yourself because he didn't have pain to tell him where there's anything wrong. So you have to examine your feet. You have to examine everything. And you have to make adjustments. You have to figure this out. So he finally got healthy, and and he went home to be with his family for the first time in four years. He fell asleep that night on his pallet. He hadn't slept there for four years. He wakes up the next morning and quickly looks at his hands because he has to make sure that everything is fine and everything is good. And what kind of adjustments does he have to make that day? And horror of all horrors, he looked at his hand, 
And the very places where the doctor had worked so hard, a rat had come in the night and gnawed at his hand, and he didn't even know. He didn't even know. He had to go back to the doctor, go back to the, the rehab center there. And he sat there with Dr. Paul Brand and he said, Because I can't feel pain, I have ceased to be free. I can't be free. I have to take care of myself. The sensation of pain and our ability to react is a God-given absolute must in our human physical bodies. A healthy body, once again, equals the ability to listen and hear pain. But now let's, let's shift gears. Let's go into the body of Christ. And I would like to say to you that the health of the body of, of Christ requires that we are able to hear pain in the body of Christ. And it's said that the body of Christ suffers because the body of Christ doesn't suffer. Because sometimes the body of Christ has a hard time hearing the pain of another part of the body of Christ. Pain and suffering. It's a difficult thing. I don't like it. I don't like talking about it. I'd rather not consider it. I'd rather just live my life. I'd, I'd rather just go on about my business. And beside, you know, believe me, when I crack my toe on a, on a whatever, I wish I could just leave it to my toe and the rest of me just go on with life. But that's not how things are set up. Suffering, pain. There's a story about a 15-year-old Jewish young man. His name's Eli Weissel. He found himself in the Nazi concentration camps. And he witnessed so much pain and suffering. So much physical for his own self and, and watched others around him. One day in particular, he tells a story about a young little boy, six years old, who was charged with the crime of helping another person in, in the concentration camp. And so this young man was sent to the gallows. And to show, you know, make a show of it, the Nazis had brought out all of the, the prisoners, and they stood there and watched this six-year-old boy have to climb up to the gallows and be hung. And as they were doing this, the young man had just a peaceful, you know, he was, he was just a sweet little boy. Somebody behind him cried out, where's God? And it became silent. And that little boy, they, they kicked the chair out from underneath and he was hung. And then they made all the prisoners walk one by one by him to look at him, to make the point that you don't, you don't mess with them. And as they walked, the same person right behind him said, once again, where is God? And this Ellie, this 15-year-old man, this 15-year-old guy, as he was nearing the body, he began to cry out in his soul, where is God in this pain? And a spirit, just a voice inside of him said, he's right there. 
And the way Ellie responded to that, the way he interpreted that, was that God hung dead on that same gallow. He had an atheistic response. Where's God? God is dead in the middle of suffering. When we experience pain and when we experience difficult times, we have a tendency to feel very far from God. He seems to be, you know, in a happy time when things are great. Woohoo! God feels so close. He feels so there, and it's so easy to hear and to know Him. But it seems when pain and suffering comes, God goes silent. Even to the point that Jesus hanging on the cross cried out, God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I would say to you, in reading the word, I know that God feels. 2 Corinthians 5.19 says, if you would turn there, 2 Corinthians 5.19. God was in Christ. Reconciling the world to himself. Where was God? Where was God at Jesus' most difficult, painful moment? God was in Christ, reconciling the world to him. I want to propose to you that when pain and suffering in the darkest hour of our souls we might not be able to see God or feel God. I want to propose to you that the reason is is that he is buried within our pain and in our suffering so deep that sometimes we feel like we can't see him. But I want to propose to you that God is in the pain and the suffering, carrying it and bearing it with us and for us. We know that on the cross, Christ, and therefore God, because of that verse right there, experiences every bit of pain and suffering. He has been, and therefore still is, present, very present in pain. Some of you right now are walking through a very painful time. Painful times, painful things, suffering is a very, very, very important moment in our life. And there's usually a separation, a a, a why in the road where people experience their difficulties and their pain and they have to make a decision. Either they're going to be like Ellie and look at their painful situation and declare God dead. Where are you? I don't see you or feel you. You don't care. Or the other side of the why is, Father God, you know pain. You know suffering. And you're in the midst of it right now. I might not be able to see you. That's because you're in it with me. 
enduring it, bearing it with me, comforting me in the middle of it, walking me through it. You know, there's an interesting verse in Hebrews. It talks about the fact that Christ was made perfect in his suffering. How can that be? How can Christ become God, God, the unsinning, perfect God? How can Christ become perfect in his suffering? Let me tell you this. Until Christ, God had never experienced a body. A body with soft tissue. A body, a body that, that can, can, can be hurt. A body that can, can experience excruciating pain. So when Jesus came and took on the form of a human body, his suffering that he felt was the first time God himself actually felt the very pain and suffering that we went through. And with him, you know, it's said that we don't understand pain until we feel it. Girls in this room, if you've had babies, you know what I'm talking about. You talk to girls that haven't had babies or guys, they don't get it. But Christ taking on human form and feeling the pain, he was made perfect because now, We can honestly say we have a God who knows our sufferings. And I would say even now today, sitting in this room, there are those of you who have gone through painful experiences, hard things, suffering, difficult, hard things. You might be facing it right now. And if none of those apply to you, I will guarantee you, you will come to a time in your life when you will experience excruciating amounts of pain and suffering. And I want to tell you right now that he is in that moment with you. If Ellie was right, Ellie was right. When that young little six-year-old boy who was hanging from that gallows, and by the way, it took him over 30 minutes to die because he was so lightweighted. And as they were walking by, his, his surmise of God is right there was true. But he saw God hanging on that gallows, dead and indifferent. But in reality, God was hanging there with him, comforting him, holding him. You see, we expect, we expect a God, a loving God, to eradicate all pain. Wouldn't that be nice? We expect God to end everything bad. And when he doesn't, We can't figure it out. But let me give you a truth. Our God, before he created humanity, put some limits on himself. He is a self-limiting God. And because he is God, he will not break these rules. He's self, he's put upon himself. And the one thing is our will. He will never cross our will. Hitler chose to bring great evil and pain on people. And God was so respectful to his will that God had to let him do that. And eventually, God was able to bring that to an end. But 
I will tell you, this is one of the mysteries. He has limited himself regarding our will. Adam and Eve chose to sin. God didn't stop them. And through that, sin came into this world. Curse came into this world. Is that God's fault? No. And we are in the middle of a time dispensation of of redemption through that. And there will come a time when all of that ends. But in the meantime, we are caught in this this suspension of time where there is a curse, where there is brokenness, where there is hurt, and where there is pain. And God sent himself in the form of his son to suffer it along with us. We do not have a God that is so far away. We have a God that has felt it. And in your tough times, in your troubles, and in your, your trials and tribulations... Know that he has not forsaken you. Know that he has absolutely sunken deep into your pain and is carrying you through it. Christ is now the head of the body. In the physical body, one part feels pain, and then there's a nerve that goes from that part up to the head, and the head says, Everybody, help. Hand, grab, foot. Face, grimace. Leg, other leg. Jump up and down. Squeeze that thing. Eventually, it'll go away. So then nerve leaves head out to rest of body. Body responds. You cut yourself. I don't know about you, but I don't even think about it. Immediately, my other hand goes to stave off, you know, to, to staunch the blood, you know, to squeeze it. Right? So the head, what does the head do? Christ is the head. We are the body. Christ is the head. We are the body. Spiritually, pain happens in the the body of Christ all over. In this little body here, there are times and seasons of pain in different areas of our body. Around the world, there's different areas and pockets of Christians experiencing great pain and suffering. So in the spiritual realm, the body of Christ feels pain. And there's this, this nerve, this, this connection between the body of Christ that runs up to the head. And the head says, people in North Korea are perishing. There's, there's Christians being persecuted in these different areas. There's, there's different needs around the world. There's, there's needs right here in this room. There's always this spiritual connection between the different cells of the body of Christ. And it goes to the head, and then the head shoots out instruction to the rest of the body. Okay, people, I need you to pray. What? I don't know nothing about it. I'm over here. I'm having a great time. Well, the body of Christ over here is suffering. So the head is up here saying, have you ever seen a head fix the rest of the body? When I crack my toe, it's not my head reaching down there to fix it. Is it? What is reaching out to help the other piece of my body? Sometimes we want to say, God, you fix it. He says, I am not going to fix it. I need you to engage and reach over and grab. In this body here, 
Someone loses a loved one. Someone loses a job. Someone has a hurt. Someone has a pain. You know, there's things going on. We have to be ever so sensitive that when you see something, you know, take the time. Are you okay? You can't maybe necessarily fix it. My hand can't stop the bleeding. My body has internal mechanisms to do that, but my hand helps it. Feels better when you're squeezing that thing. My hand's not healing it, is it? But it's ministering to it. It's touching it. It's caring about it. Are you getting this? Are you getting this? The body of Christ cannot have leprosy. The body of Christ must be very able to hear pain. You live in a privileged place, people of God. You live in a privileged place and you might be looking at your life going, I don't have much, I don't have this, I don't have that quite yet. You live in a privileged place. The average income across the world is $870 a month. That's average. So half the population makes less than that. How much do you make? Don't tell me. But I would venture to say that every soul sitting in this room, every household sitting in this room is above average. But yet we see what we don't have. And we see how tight things are. And when the toe cracks on a bed or something like that, and my hand goes, you know, I'm really busy over here. It'll be okay. I don't know how to fix it anyway. I can't stop bleeding. I don't have what it takes. You know, our pathway to purpose here in New Horizon goes like this. Healthy Christians build a uh, strong church. Strong, healthy Christians in a strong church become an effective kingdom. I cry for you daily. My husband and I pray for you every day. That your souls would be restored. That your hearts would be healed. That you would become healthy Christians. But as you are on that journey, we here at New Horizon are going to constantly call you to be a healthy church, a strong church. And part of that heart cry that we have to respond to is the problem of pain. That we would not become numb to it, that we would not become silent to it, that we would not say, Why, what am I going to do about it? What do I have to do with that? I have all this other stuff going on. Well, I will guarantee you That your worst day is better than the Christians in a North Korean prison. Your worst day is better. 
than folks on the Tanzanian-Ugandan border who, when they have a cut, a gash, they run to our clinic for some help. Holding the, help me. And sometimes he doesn't even have the suture material. Can I tell you something? Can I tell you something really exciting? Can I tell you something what you are helping us do? We, went, we got this opening thing through Missy Bassnett. I don't know where she is. She might be at back working with the kids today. We got this hookup with her with Providence Hospital. And so Sandy and Marcy and I went to this big, huge warehouse where there's all this medical stuff. And I walk in, and guess what I see? Piles of suture material. Chromic gut, every different size you can imagine. And it's free for the taking. So you should have seen me. I'm like... I was like, you know, putting it in. <laughs> Can I have another box? So we are bringing all of that over there. We, we are bringing all of that over there. Joel, what's your point? Number one, I want to make it very, very clear. I want you to understand pain and suffering. There's a lot of mystery to it. But I want you all to know that in the midst of yours, when you might be wondering where God is, I want you to see that he is desperately and deeply intertwined in it. He is not absent. He is there carrying it, bearing it. And he, even the creation, groans for the moment that the sons of God are revealed and that God is able to bring this to a close. But for the time being, he is there in your pain. Find him in it. Seek him in the middle of it. He is there. And he would look to you and say, girlfriend, young man, are you going to deny me too? God is with you in your pain. Number two, purpose for this sermon is to not ever allow us to become numb. We cannot become numb. I didn't get to any of my scriptures. People, I am so sad. There's so many good scriptures that I've just been so carried away with the burden of this sermon. But Dwayne read my main one. Thanks a lot, honey. You did. I'll see if I can remember it off the top of my head. I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me water. I needed clothes, and you put clothes on me. I was in prison, and you came. I was sick, and you helped me. All of a sudden, oh, yes, the band, you are good. All of a sudden, God becomes real and becomes very practical. God's not asking you to fix everything in this world. You don't have that capability, and he knows it. He wants you to just respond. He wants you to do what you can. Do what's in your hand. Spend a few minutes after church here. Let's build these things and have fun. I would also like to present to you an opportunity 
Like I told you at the beginning, I went out on a limb and sent all the money for this immunization clinic. The finance department keeps looking at me. I keep saying, I know, I know. I can't stop. We're going to be giving out DPT, measles, BCG for tuberculosis and polio to as many little arms as will stretch out. I don't want to run out. I need 2,000 bucks for that. I need 2,000 for the flooring to finish it up. I'm just going to throw that out. Now that's one, one thing in a hundred million opportunities out there in the world. There's a lot of pain and suffering out there. But this is the one I know about. And you're hooked up with me. So this is the one we get to work on. So I'm going to give you an opportunity here to give into this. If I could have the ushers come forward, if you would be. Envelopes are on the floor underneath the end seats. If you would be willing. If you would be willing. Five dollars. Don't let, don't let the offering bucket go by without putting something in. Because there's a part of the body of Christ crying. Needing. I know immunizations are kind of a touchy subject here in America, but can I tell you something? There isn't an immunization debate in Africa. Because their children get pertussis. Their children get measles. They all get TB. They all get malaria. So to them, it's not a, you know, I don't know. It's a, here, honey, just put it right here. And I can't wait. I'd love for you to all be a part. Y'all can't go. Well, you could if you wanted. I suppose we could have rented an entire airplane. But this is one way that you can respond. And once again, this is one in a million arenas that you could respond to. And I pray that, you know, it's my goal that every time a need is presented to me that I give at least a dime, a quarter, a dollar. I want to be found to be the generous one. Psalm 112 speaks about the blessing of God that comes upon us and the goodness of God and that our response is that we give generously to the poor. Kind of an interesting response. I just want to thank you in advance for this. Let's pray. Lift your gift up high. Lift your other hand up high. Father God, we understand pain a little better now. We understand pain. We understand a little bit better about who you are in our pain. That though we stare death in the face and pain and suffering and problems in the face, you are there. You have somehow become even deeper entwined in those situations. Comfort those in our body. God, I pray right now that all numbness is stripped off of every heart in this room. And that we become very responsive to the body of Christ. And Father God, we know 
that you are the one that carries the ability to heal, to help, to bring about the miraculous. But for some crazy reason, you choose to involve us in the process. And when we respond and we reach and we touch and we hold and we help and we grimace on our face, Lord God, even for the farthest away suffering uh, piece of your body, that you are somehow blessed by that. Lord God, we love you. In Jesus' name, make us responsive. Make us responsive. Satan, I rebuke you off of this body of Christ that would hear your words that would say, it's too much for you. It's too much for you. You can't do anything. You go take care of your little self. No, we're not that kind of body. Yes, we take care of our own world, but Father God, give us the biggest heart in the world that we could at least, number one, pray and become very aware and very vigilant. But second of all, give us the practical things to help this world in Jesus' name.